the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you. Dave Ellswick Show here on a Thursday. J.R. Davis starting it off with us. And uh, who are you? Jamie Barker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're the communications director or whatever. So understand that everything you say must be absolutely clear because you're the communications director. I shall try. (laughs) Enunciate. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. If I sound like that I'm not enunciating real clearly, it's because I got dentures now. So I'm still getting used to them. And if you had talked to me last week, I probably would have punched you in the face (laughs) because I was not a happy person. They pulled seven teeth and then they put them in and they said, it's going to be a little painful for a few days. (laughs) That was an understatement. (laughs) But anyway, I'm just letting you know. First thing we want to talk about, I am so glad to see that the governor has done this. Yep. He has released a letter to the Legislative Tax Reform and Relief Task Force. I talked about this, you know, I was telling you, I I was uh, saying that the governor should come out and just say, quit wasting your time on this yeah. because it's not going anywhere. Right. You know, look at other things that you think are, you know, things that we should, you know, cut back on or hold on to his taxes and or no having taxes on it and things of that nature and and i said just tell him you know you pass it i'll veto it basically that's kind of what he says today so yeah i'm glad I think to for, see that he did it and for context too just want to understand is the the you know backstory here the governor has been a long time uh, and consistent supporter of eliminating the sales tax on groceries even before the legislation was passed after 2006 um, and then throughout this process, the governor understands the separation of powers. He uh, respects uh, the members of the task force and, and wants them to continue working uh, and, and reviewing and researching the tax code for true reform. So he supports that uh, indefinitely. But uh, he just wants people to understand, though, too, that even though he wasn't going to get involved in the debate because he doesn't want to interfere in their process, mm-hmm. because this topic continues to come up for debate, uh, he just thought it was appropriate for them to know where he stood on, on this topic. So. Okay, yeah. I just Let me just read the, the, the towards the end of the letter, the uh, paragraph. Uh, I don't know what paragraph it is. It's the one, it's at fourth from the bottom. I have chosen to stay out of much of the debate with regard to the elimination of certain tax exemptions. I do not wish to impede your progress. However, as the grocery tax exemption remains a topic of continued debate, it is important for me to inform you of where I stand on this important issue, which is uh, basically when you look at the the rest of the letter, he's saying, look, I've been a long-time and consistent supporter of eliminating the sales tax on groceries. In fact, the final reduction of the sales tax is part of the budget I presented to the legislature and was adopted by the General Assembly earlier this year. My position has not changed. I do not support raising the sales tax on groceries. 
As far as I'm concerned, that says it's a dead end road as far as the governor's concerned. That's right. Yeah. So he just wanted to make sure that was clear uh, before uh, the legislature, the legislative task force got any further down the road. Again, we understand, too, this is and it says in the letter as well that this is a um, process. There has been no recommendation to date made to the governor and there won't be until September. Um, but just to be fair to them uh, and to streamline that process a little bit more for them to know exactly where he stood so they could continue on with their uh, review processes and then uh, make those recommendations at the uh, end of the summer. Okay, so this is, in my own words, the, the governor saying, don't waste my time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean that's, yeah. I'm so glad he's done this. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest. You know that I've questioned this. From the beginning when it came out, why are you even looking at this? It's going to be defeated by, you know. And I also think this, you know, really kind of provides a little more clarity on the fact that this is absolutely not the governor's task force. Uh, He has stayed out of this. This is the legislator's task force. Uh, and and so any research they've they've been doing for the last several months, the governors wanted to be able to just step back and say, look, I want you to dig into this. Do so. Let's work together and, and really provide tax relief for our Kansans. But on this particular issue, he did want to make clear where he stood. So, right. so I have a copy of this. I'm putting it in my 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 file. Okay. So that if anything ever changes, I can say, now, wait a second, on May 3rd, I have a letter have in a my letter. hand yeah, that I can do. So. That's just as good as money, Dave. I right agree. There. That's I, I so. agree that that is. When you put it in writing, <laughs> yep. I think that, that that carries a whole lot more weight than just you know saying it at a press conference or or saying it uh, – in public, right? You know that that's in right. He wanted to be crystal clear, and I think well, I'm that's good. crystal clear. Let me, so when you see him, to, Jamie, you may see him before. Jr. Okay, well, when you see him, just tell him thank you. Absolutely. I mean that that's personally for me, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that he's doing that. Yeah, and again, too, I do want to make clear that you know the work the task force is doing is great work. Uh, they really are looking at every little thing. You got to look at everything uh, if you want true reform, and they're going to continue to do that. So, in no way is the governor saying, you know, don't continue your work. You should continue your work, but not necessarily with the grocery tax. Yeah, Let's not look at, at everything else. Tax. Let's look at the tax code. If there's Good. any. Um, standard deductions, you know, things that basically looking at stuff that's been on the shelf for a while that, that shouldn't be anymore. you got to look at all that stuff. They've done that. He wants them to continue to do that, but he just wanted to make this clear today. So when does uh, when are they supposed to now give us their final recommendations? September 1 by law. So Okay. So when be, that comes up, they'll give some kind of written report to the governor. Right. And, and the governor um, is looking forward to it. Uh, but again, people need to remember that he doesn't have to accept it either. Um, so he's or he can it, accept parts of it, accept not parts other of it. parts. Right, and there may be options. They may provide several recommendations, and, and the governor can take a look at which ones he really likes and will help. Uh, he's made it clear what he wants to do in 2019. It's a big lift, but $180 million tax cut uh, to lower the top marginal rate from 6.9 to 6. That really gets us in line more with our neighbors, uh, neighboring states. Obviously, we have to compete with Texas. They have zero. Uh, we want to continue to work at pushing that rate down. Um, while being able to absorb it through the economy. You saw the revenue report story today that came out. says the economy is in good shape. Uh, We've given a lot of income tax. uh, uh, We've given a lot of money back to Arkansans through um, uh, income tax. uh, But we're also getting a lot more because that means people are – getting into the workforce and working and and you know paying taxes as well so it's we're in good shape all around and the governor wants to be able to make sure we do this in the 2019 session too and absorb it 
uh, in a lot of ways, continue to cut government so we can pay for it that way as well as through some of the recommendations to the task force. Did you know that I'm working on a piece of legislation? I did not. Yeah. We're drafting it all up, and we may pass it through the governor before we look at different people. Yeah, it's about freedom of speech. It's about colleges no longer being able to designate places as being, you know, free speech zones and things of that nature. Free speech is a given. It's this First Amendment, right? And colleges need to stop doing that stuff. It's amazing that we're even having to have that debate. Isn't that? In a, I mean, seriously, I, I, I agree with you completely with that. Don't yeah. we live in a free speech zone? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's getting to be that way. I'm just saying here you can say whatever you want. All right. Well, it's up seven words. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's seven words you say I get in bad trouble about. But the bottom line is, is that uh, that's the way you learn. That's the way you figure out whether your arguments are the correct arguments or wrong arguments or whatever and uh, colleges are not upholding that sure you know so we we've got some legislation drafted up uh we're getting the the wording correct because we don't want people to have problems with it but basically if you're one of those um you know brown shirts on the college campuses you're not going to like what we're (laughs) what we're saying should happen you know, you should be able to say what you want to say. You know, you, know, you can't yell fire in a the theater. We right, understand right, that. Right. But, you know, a, a university shouldn't say, hey, look, just because this guy is controversial, he shouldn't be able to speak at our, co- at our, at our college. You know, we're going we're gonna to try to put a stop to that here in, in our – because it's, it's happening. I mean, ASU, uh, who is it? Uh, what's the name of that group? Turning Point, right? Turning Point USA. Yep. You know, they basically – you know, walk them off the campus. They couldn't even talk to the students to join their group. And that that can't happen. That's going to stop. Look, I'm, I'm one of those people who say, you want to put the socialists out there and let them try to bring people on? They can be there. It's, it's their right. I would hope people be smart enough to fall for that stupid argument. But the bottom line is, yeah, it's supposed to be a place where you can exchange free ideas. Right. Competing yep. ideas. Yep. Always. All right. 16 after 2. Let's take a quick break. We've got JR here. We've got more to talk about. Uh, the Supreme Court of Arkansas has said the uh, voter ID is is a go. So we'll talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, conventional wisdom says you should delay claiming Social Security to maximize your benefits. Uh, but that strategy today could wind up costing you tens of thousands of dollars. There's a lot more to claiming your Social Security benefits than you know. Your decision can tri- trigger an avalanche, literally just a whole bunch of taxes you weren't expecting, and it can double your Medicare premiums as well. Ultimately, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Learn how you can avoid that with a free customized Social Security review from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial. And they're right here in North Little Rock. David's a published author, host of the David Lucas Show on uh, 101.1 The Answer. So if you've saved $200,000 or more for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review now at 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. J.R. Davis is our guest. Jamie Barker is here. He's the... uh, Communications Director for uh, the Governor's uh, Campaign, Re-Election Campaign. Did I get that exactly right? Nailed it. 
I got it right. Okay. Sometimes, like I tell everybody, I'm the hair and carry of names. <laughs> I, I will go out, go out of my way to butcher your name. It, I just, I've been called worse. Pardon me. Okay. Well, anyway, Jamie's here. JR's here. Jamie's going to jump in anytime that uh, we get into something that uh, involves the campaign. Sounds He's good. the man who does that. JR comes in every Thursday to talk what is the policy going on in the governor's office and clarifying anything on that. If you've uh, missed the beginning of the show, let me one more time uh, tell you we're breaking the story here. It brought to us just today uh, a letter from the governor to the Legislative Tax Reform and Relief Task Force that says, uh, you know, well, let me begin by sharing with you my support for this task force, uh, yada, yada, yada. Then he gets to the really important meat of this, and he says, I've been a long-time and consistent supporter of eliminating the sales tax on groceries. In fact, the final reduction of the sales tax is part of the budget I presented to the legislature and was adopted by the General Assembly earlier this year. My position has not changed. I do not support raising the sales tax on groceries. I have chosen to stay out of, and I'm, I'm shortening this up, uh, I have chosen to stay out of much of the debate with regard to the elimination of certain tax exemptions. I do not wish to impede your progress. However, that means ignore what I just said. However, as the grocery tax exemption remains a topic of continued debate, it is important for me to inform you of where I stand on this important issue. And I recognize that your review process is still ongoing and that no recommendations have been made. As such, I look forward to your final report. But uh, let me just add in between the lines, don't include anything about the grocery tax. <laughs> there you go. Just say Just say And again, I, and I told Jay, I, uh, JR this before uh, we um, got very far into the show. The next time that he sees the governor, thank you very much for that letter. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's an important letter. I think that's a really important letter. Well, and it's really important for our Kansans to know where the governor stands on this issue. Well, here's the key. The, the governor is the head of the party. Yeah. All right? It's important for the people of the state to understand we just got rid of the grocery tax. We are not going to be the party that brings it back. Yeah. You have a governor in the governor's office who is extremely thoughtful, but he's also a fierce defender of Arkansans and, and you know, being taxed too much by any stretch of the imagination. He wants to relieve that tax burden on the people of Arkansas. But along with that thoughtful approach, he also wants people to be able to do their jobs that they're supposed to do. So the tax reform, they've been meeting for several months. They've been looking at a lot of different things. So even though he's been for this since 2006, uh, and that's on record and it's been throughout, he just wanted, he did not want to, uh, you know, kind of get in the spokes and, and, and mess up their processes moving forward. But at this point, he really just wanted to make sure they knew where he stood so they could take that uh, for what it is when they move forward with uh, their recommendations in September. So it was important for him to get that out there, um, and people need to know where he stands on it, and he's been very consistent over more than a decade. So. And the other thing I said yesterday, Jamie, just looking at Republicans running for office, the governor running for office, is that you never want to give the other side Lucille, speaking of Nagin, right? <laughs> you don't want to give Lucille there to the other party to be hitting you over the head with it. Sure. Right. And that's exactly what have, would have happened. Well, you know, and Jamie can talk more about this, but but it's just, to me, it's unfortunate that people 
are intentionally deceptive on things mm-hmm. like this because the governor's record on this and stance could not be more clear. Uh, again, going back to articles in 2006, I mean, he's been very clear on what he would like to see uh, done with the grocery tax. And since its implementation, he's been supportive of it all the way through. So uh, it's unfortunate that Arkansans have to sort of, uh, you know, wade their way through some of this ludicrous uh, uh, talk from different groups. Um, but the governor wanted to be loud and clear and make sure folks knew exactly where he stood um, and they can quiet the waters a little bit on that. Well, when I saw that it, they kept talking about it, all right, and they kept talking about it, I understand the governor wants to stay out of it, so to speak. Right. But he is the governor. Right, sure. All right. I mean, he, like I said, he is the head of the party. And I read that and I, th- I thought of, well, you know, I was thinking about uh, our next classic movie coming up Tuesday which is Blazing Saddles, and right right through my it's mind went, what in the wild, wild, you know, world of sports is going on here, you yeah. know? You know, and I kept asking, why doesn't the governor just send them something yeah. and just say, stop with it already? Sure, but I will also say, too, for, you know, even more context, you know, two, three weeks ago when he was first asked about it, he said the same thing he said in the letter. Uh, when reporters yeah, but asked it ain't about, a letter. No, no, you're right. It's not a letter. But I'm just saying, <laughs> just as far saying, as yeah. the consistency goes, I mean, he made this clear from from the very beginning of this debate. Um, but at the time, too, it was sort of more just part of the process. They're moving through different things. But as the weeks uh, have gone on, uh, he wanted to make that clear on where he stood. So, But again, I, I can't say it enough, but he has been a longtime supporter and very consistent in his stance on this particular issue. So how does he feel now that the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court says that the voter ID law is legit and they can use it coming up now in the primary. Very pleased. That's the way it should have been. Um, the governor signed that piece of legislation in the law in 2017. Um, and so that's that's the law of the land and that's the way it should be, especially for the uh, uh, May 22nd primary. Did the, did the Supreme Court ever say why they rule the way that they rule? I'm just wondering if Texas had some weight in this decision. Because, you know, Texas just went through this process and they're up further along the, you know, the feeding frenzy that goes on when you're looking at a law. And it's been given the thumbs up every time it's gone through a look, a look-see. I, do, yeah, well, I was going to say, I do know that the last time it was struck down was one of the reasons they used was it didn't have a two-thirds vote um, of support whenever mm-hmm. it passed the House and the Senate. And so, you know, they got that this time. And I think I'm I'm assuming, obviously, I don't I don't know that they just issued a stay, I believe. Um, and I'm not sure if that came with any. Yeah, it was uh, a one. There was a with it. Yeah. The it said uh, in the paper in this morning's paper, uh, you know, only last week, Pulaski County Circuit Judge Alice Gray declared the 2017 law unconstitutional. But the high court in a one page order halted Gray's injunction. So it's staying it into. And, and this is what the Secretary of State requested, is that you, you stay it now until you can actually you know, fully review it after the primary, uh, which is absolutely what should have uh, happened. Yeah, uh, let's the see fact how is this works, three, right, shall when you we? Say, well, and also the fact that we're three weeks out, yeah, and, and Judge Gray sure. decides you know, to, to take this up three weeks out. So it's, uh, uh, it was the right decision, um, and, uh, and, it, and it's set for the primary. So, and the governor's very pleased by that decision. Well, I, I think it's a great deal. I think everybody will see that hundreds of thousands of people were not disenfranchised here in the state of Arkansas going right. to the polls. Right. Because common sense tells me. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. 
We had J.R. Davis here. He'll be with us for another 25 minutes. Uh, Jamie's here as well, communications director for uh, the governor's campaign, just in case we cross over into politicking here on the air. Uh, he'll, he's the one who'll be answering those questions. That's right. Just so, and then I'll tell you, this is Jamie speaking, so you don't have to try to differentiate between their voices as far as that's concerned. That's why the Facebook video is so Yeah, you like stupendous. that, don't you? Yeah. That's Jamie. Well, that's Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, show Jamie there. That's Jamie, just so you'll know. And ladies, yes, he's married. <laughs> With three children. That's letting you know that. Yeah, he's got all that down now. All right, so it's the Dave Ellsbury Show. We've talked about the letter that the governor has sent to the, what's the official title? Again, the Legislative Tax Reform and Relief Task Force. Uh, saying that he will not uh, support in any way, shape, or form raising the grocery sales tax. He wants it gone, and it is gone as of when the next budget comes out because that was uh, part of his budget uh, that he passed this year. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind and that, uh, you know, they're wasting their time looking at it, so to speak. I'm glad he did. I just I spent a half hour talking about this yesterday. <laughs> I really did. I ser- Is that not right? Russ, I did. I did half hour on it. And I said, I wish the governor would just tell them to lay off of it. And he did. He and it wasn't listening. because he was listening to me, I'm sure. He's probably listening to Jamie, you know? I don't know about that. Now, when you talk to him, do you, do you call him, do you, you say, now, Gov, I mean, do you like talk to him like that? Or you say, uh, Mr. Governor or... I normally call him governor. Okay, I, I, I think that's what most people call him. Okay, you don't, you, you don't, you're not on like a first name, you know, fist bump, per, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, we'll crack jokes, <laughs> but I think that's a a respect thing more than I anything. I understand. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, man. Oh, I, know. I like giving you a hard time. Yeah, you like do the, a good job. The first job. time I came in here, you mocked the way I was dressed. <laughs> I did. I did. That's true. That's true. I got to get somebody uh, from uh, the College Republicans again. Whoever who's the, who's the uh, the new uh, uh, president? Clay Smith. I think he's from University of Arkansas. Okay, mm-hmm. so I need to get him on because I I like the young Republicans to come on and tell us what they're thinking on yeah. campus and how difficult it is for Republicans yeah. on campus. Because let's just put it this way: it's not like uh, you're going to be talked positively about uh, in any form, in any part of the curricula, whether you're going to U of A, ASU, or, you know, whether you're a bull weevil or whatever. Just know you're going to fight all four years you're there. I've heard you've had a few of those interviews on this show, and oh, I've yeah. caught a few of them. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, good. Yeah. it's good to have them on. It really, really is. I love it. All right, so... Uh, you know, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm, I know that the governor has got to be having, you know, uh, meetings with people getting ready for 2019. I mean, there's a few things that are probably, you know, who, how the makeup is going to be of the House and what the makeup is going to be of the Senate. Uh, but I'm not seeing this tsunami blue wave that's going to roll across uh, the, the state of Arkansas. In fact, we may pick up seats, not lose yeah. seats. Yeah, I think that's why you know May twenty second is so important. Um, and and I you know as far as the governor's preparation for twenty nineteen, he's he's already like you said, uh, you hit the nail on the head. He's already having meetings, meeting with meetings with our staff, uh, talking about what he wants to get accomplished in two thousand nineteen. Uh, we've launched a series of town halls uh, around the state. We had the first one in Jonesboro. 
um, I believe that was Tuesday night, uh, where the governor went out and just kind of discussed with a panel of, of, of folks uh, throughout state government um, and some private uh, industry just talking about what it means to transform government, what we're trying to do, uh, the issues with the current setup right now. Uh, the big news uh, from the governor a few weeks back was that he wanted to uh, cut in half uh, more than half um, the uh, agencies that report to him. So right now, there, I think there's around 42 cabinet directors. The governor wants to get that under 20 uh, um, cabinet directors that report to him. Uh, that obviously means uh, merging, consolidations, eliminating administrative costs. It's going to be a very big lift for the state, but that's one of the reasons the governor wants to get out there and talk to the people. If they have questions, come on out to these town halls. Um, ask your questions. He wants to be there to uh, help answer them and just really build support for this because this is what Arkansas has been clamoring for for a long time, and the governor wants to move forward with that in 2019. Um, I'll have to get you a document we put together of sort of the timeline from 2015 up until now of what we've done with transformation, and we've done a lot. This is just the biggest lift, and so we've got to have the public support on that, uh, and so he's really excited about getting out there and answering questions. So Jonesboro was Tuesday. He'll speak at noon uh, at lunch in Springdale next Tuesday, and then the very next day at noon in El Dorado. Uh, so those are the three of them right now. Um, and then I'm sure we'll have a few more throughout the summer uh, just getting out there and answering questions for folks. But that's the really big lift in 2019. He's excited about it. Uh, and that is, uh, that's certainly transformation when you look at all the aspects and, and all the things we want to do. I think taxpayers will be happy with that. Uh, along with the $180 million tax cut. So those are the two big focuses heading into 2019, along with a few education initiatives. As I used to say, keep those cards and letters coming. Do people still write to the governor and say, hey, I got a great idea. Why don't you do this or this? And Absolutely. Do, do, is it people like you that read them and then you look at them and you go, well, that looks like it might be worth his time and you forward sure. it on or, or how do you work? Well, it? so it's, it's not me. I don't think he'd want me in charge of that. Uh, sometimes I can't find my keys. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> but we do have the, my idea line, um, which is also, uh, it's not just a line. It's actually a, a website. You can go on there. You can do it anonymously. You can give your information so you can hear back from agencies. So you simply go on there and say, you know, this is Jamie Barker. I've got a great idea. They can save the state money. Um, or, hey, this is a really uh, ridiculous process. It's slow. I think you can streamline it by doing this. And so what we do is the Department of Finance Administration uh, collects those. Uh, they come straight to them into the My Idea uh, line, which is uh, manned by a couple of people on the phones, but also uh, through personnel that uh, are already there at DFNA. So they take all those ideas in. They take a look at them. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you get a few complaints that aren't necessarily ideas. So sure. we separate those. We look at some of the other ideas and say, hey, this is great. Uh, this is a DHS. So we send that over to DHS staff. They look at it. Um, they implement it where they can. Some of them takes uh, some of that takes legislation. So that may wait until the 2019 session. But we've had a lot of ideas come in. We've implemented a lot of ideas in the state of Arkansas already from the My Idea line. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, we have the red tape reduction uh, task force, which will make their recommendations towards the end of this year about a lot of those, you know, overburdensome regulations that we need to cut or eliminate or reduce in state government. So there's a lot of excitement out there um, for the 2019 session. We can do a, certainly do a whole lot, but obviously we need legislative support and we need the public support. So that's a lot of the stuff the governor's talking about when he's out there. All right. So. What if there's somebody that's sitting out listening to us right now and they have some ideas on a piece of legislation that went through uh, 
the legislative process, but they're losing a lot of money but causing a lot of consternation for the, the business people. And I'm talking about the tire uh, situation. There's a better way of doing it. I've heard it from several people that the state would even make more money by doing it because it would cut out some middlemen that are, are going to be getting some money. How yeah. do they go about approaching something like that? Well, so sort of a two-part question there from you. The first thing is you can go to uh, myidea.arkansas.gov. Okay. That's myidea.arkansas.gov. It's, it's a one-page uh, website. You go on there. Um, fill it out. Um, you can do it anonymously again. You can put your contact information, but just kind of explain what you think can be done better. Um, and and truly, the more constructive you can be, uh, and just really you know show what things work, what things don't work. Um, that's the best way to approach it because we absolutely want to take a look at that and see what we can do to um, to make things work better. And as far as the waste tire uh, issue, I think again, there's a lot of um, misrepresentation out there on exactly what this did now some people you say say that you can make a lot more money by doing it this way that was never uh you know an intent by any means at all under the current or excuse me under the former process uh, you could be it was a dollar for used uh, tire two dollars for new and five dollars supposedly for you know truck tires mm-hmm. but the problem was there was no accountability there and that could go all the way up to fifteen dollars a tire in some cases and no one has a clue and i think the three of us in here when you go buy tires and you know you buy two or four or whatever you just you know you gulp and you sign the, the paperwork right. and you pay for it and you're done so a lot of the times there was no accountability to protect taxpayers uh, when they went and purchased new tires or used tires. So what this legislation did was basically say, okay, we're, we're, we're putting it at a flat fee of $3 and then the dollar for the used tires, which was the same as it was before. Um, but the flat fee of $3 means you are protected. They cannot charge any more than that when you go purchase a new or used tire. Um, and then, of course, any of the uh, funding that went into that with the rim fees, what people talk about, mm-hmm. um, this goes back into that program. It doesn't go into general revenue. It goes back into those waste tire districts um, for just that program. That's all it is to support it. What people don't talk about is you had a whole lot of these waste tire districts that were bankrupt, that didn't know where their money was, didn't have a business plan. Uh, and, and I think that's where people kind of, there's the disconnect there. I mean, the, the money was being spent. Thousands of dollars were being spent. No one knew where it was going. They had no way to track what they were charging per tire. And so it was a big issue. And then on top of that, you had a lot of surrounding states that were hauling in old tires and dumping them here in Arkansas. Texas. Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you're right. There's a lot of tires coming from Texas. And so this allows the state of Arkansas, to track those tires and make sure that we're not being, you know, that Arkansas doesn't turn into a dumping ground for our neighboring states to get rid of their old tires. So um, that's all it was. It was absolutely meant and still is uh, meant to just be an accountability mechanism to protect taxpayers when they go to the point of purchase. They know they are not spending more than they are supposed to on these tires. That's what that was for. There's no general revenue. There's no more money coming into the legislature for the government to spend. That goes straight back into that program and is to protect taxpayers. That's all it is. So I think that's really important for people to understand. And again, I said this earlier, it's very disappointing that people have to do so much work to get to the facts because there is a whole lot of trash out there that you've got to get through, but it's important to know the facts. So if you have ideas how you can think, how you, how it could work better um, for that particular program or something else, um, you know, absolutely send us a note through my idea, 
Um, or you can send us an email at the governor's office and we'll be happy to respond with what we're doing and, um, and, and ways that, you know, we're, we're trying to address certain problems. One particular thing we talked about this a few weeks ago, Dave, was one of those my ideas were, um, were online transactions for car tags. So people were like, I go to the DMV, you have to wait a couple hours. Sometimes if you're lucky, a couple hours, it mm-hmm. could be a lot longer. Um, and so what we've done is said, okay, you can now go get your car tag online. You can do everything. You can pay the taxes, whatever it is, do it right there online. They'll send you your tag. You can do it from the comfort of your home or at your desk at work. Um, so those are the little things you talk about when people say, hey, we can do this. Let's do it. Hey, we take a look at it and say, can we do it? Does it take legislation? How do we go about it? Does it save the state money? Does it streamline operations? If so, let's implement it. And that's the whole conversation from, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, the, the beginning stages till when it's implemented. That's how that process goes. So uh, we're getting a lot of those types of ideas. And some things people don't know is that Arkansas was only like the fifth state to have something like this where you can do this stuff online. A lot of people think that's every, everywhere. It's really not. Arkansas is one of the leading states in that category. So we're, we're uh, leaning forward. We're trying to do whatever we can to make government work better for the people of Arkansas. And, and obviously, every single day, the governor wakes up. He wants to make sure that we're being good tax, good stewards of taxpayer dollars as well. So now, is there a possibility that people don't know about what you just talked about, buying your tags? Has it been publicized enough? Uh, well, we did a news conference, I think, about two weeks ago. With It's fairly new. Um, okay. But I think at, the, at that point, it was, man, it was less than... Um, you know, and, and actually, there were already some online services that people didn't know about. And at that time, I think it was less than 10% of people were doing it. Uh, two weeks later, they measured it again, and it's somewhere around 35% of people are starting to access it online. We want to continue to see that number go up. Uh, not only does it save the state money, um, it, sta- it saves uh, Arkansans time and money from you know gas to go to the DMV or, or having to take extra time off work. Um, and for an example, there was one company that came to the governor's office and I, I won't name them, but they said that this change alone is going to save them about $250,000 a year because it's a, it's a rental service that says every time they had to, you know, tag a car, they had right. to go all the way down to Little Rock. So, um, you know, that's that's real change. That's real transformation. It's a small thing, but it goes a long way. All right. Let's get a break in. We'll come back, finish up. J.R. Davis is our guest. He's from the governor's office, does this weekly. You learn a lot of stuff. When I come back, I'll get you that website you go to to be able to take care of your tags on the internet here on the dave ellswick show all right we continue let's finish up uh here with jr davis uh, jamie is here as well he's the communications uh director for the campaign he's here to take uh campaign questions uh if i have something and we haven't had anything basically today <laughs> uh to get into we just enjoy basically yeah you know, basically it's all been policy that's what, and that's yeah. why i like to kind of keep it my dmv.arkansas.gov that's right all right that is the website if you want to try to buy your uh, tags over the internet yeah. I'm, i can tell you right now this boy going to use that <laughs> Yep, you can uh, re- register your new vehicle online. I mean, it's a very easy website and walks you through the process. If you lose your driver's license or state ID, you can ask for a duplicate online, get it in the mail with three or three or less days, three cool. days or less. So, I mean, there's and that's just I mean, there's a long list of things you can do. So, if you're if you're uh, scheduling a trip, go to there first, go to that website first, and see what you can accomplish before getting in the that car. That makes sense. So, makes a lot of sense. I like that. And don't forget about myidea.arkansas.gov. 
if you have thought of something that you think that the the government could do and do it better, you know, send them uh, send them the idea. That's right. You know, they're not going to pay you, but that's okay. <laughs> all right, that's all well, right. You never know if if it's a way for us to cut taxes, then in a roundabout way, uh, you do get paid for no, that that's idea. True. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that. no, it is. Uh, you know, government always needs uh, the voice of the people to help steer them, and so we've implemented a lot of reforms so far under Governor Hutchinson. Um, but there are several that you know some people don't think about. Uh, maybe someone's in a unique position that can see something that we don't. And so, you know, absolutely, if you have an idea, you're encouraged to send that in for sure. I've submitted a couple before I started working. Before there I started working go. the governor, me and my it's wife easy, were foster it? parents, yeah. and we were like, you know, hey, we think we have a different perspective on this than people that may already they may work on the other side of it in yeah. DHS. And so, we submitted a couple of them. Yep. So did they call you up and yeah, I, yeah, I did. ask I what your somebody. social security mm-hmm. number was? Uh, no, no. <laughs> yes, they will not ask you for your social security number. I feel like it's one of those. Uh, if anybody does that, do yeah, not give do it to not them. Do not give it to them. That's so. the bottom line. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's an easy process. You just go on there, one yeah. page, yeah. fill it out, submit, and that's it. All right, we're down to about three minutes left here, JR. So let's go back to the story we started uh, this hour off with. Uh I have I have not been quiet dealing with the grocery sales tax. You know that. I've asked you about it on the air. I've talked about it on the air a lot. And uh, yesterday I just said that, and it, and let me just say, the governor's not taking my my lead on this. I just want you to know it just so happened. It's a coincidence. Yeah, but that he appreciates the way your did. lead on it. So. But uh, the bottom line is I said the governor needs to say something directly to the Legislative Tax Reform and Relief Task Force and say, leave this alone you know this is a this is a landmine just leave it alone because i don't believe in it and sure enough uh jr walked into the studio he was here before i even got here and i walked in he says i got something you're gonna like and he handed me this letter and uh, it was the uh, governor telling the uh, legislative tax reform and relief task force dudes i'm not in i'm not on this whole thing about what you want to do with sales tax on food right absolutely um again he just wanted to be clear where he stood on that uh, we've talked about it throughout the show but you know for for 12 years ever uh, even before this legislation was signed into law in 2007 the governor's been in, uh, a vocal supporter of eliminating the sales tax on groceries that's never changed uh when this whole thing came up uh, uh you know three four weeks ago the governor weighed in on it uh, with the same language he used in this letter. Uh, and then today, obviously, like I said before, there's a lot of misrepresentation out there, a lot of, you know, um, well, the, uh, intentional. Well, the, Demo- the Democratic right. chart challenger sure. attacked the governor over it. Yeah, and again, it's just, it, it's it's political season, um, and people will, will accuse whatever they can. Uh, but in this case, it's a moot point. The governor's been very clear about where he stands, uh, and he wanted to make that clear in uh uh, today's letter to the task force. Again, it's important to know that the work that the task force is doing is good work. Uh, people will be pleased. I really believe that uh, when we have real substantive tax reform in this uh, state uh, for the first time in a very, very long time, um, and and no recommendation have, has been made to date. So that's very important to remember that they have not made a recommendation to the governor. They will not make that recommendation until September 1. But the governor wanted to be very clear where he stood on this issue. So um, when they continue to move out, move throughout their process, uh, that they know where the governor stands and that they move away from this particular uh, idea. But I, I suspect that we'll get 
you know, multiple recommendations. The governor absolutely wants to work with the uh, legislature in 2019. We need to. We have to. We need to do some really big things in 2019 to keep the momentum going here in Arkansas. Um, but this was just a simple, hey, guys, this is where I am on this. I want to let you know. And, right. uh, and that's that's what was accomplished. So I don't know if this is a political, you know, from your side question or for re-election uh, type of, of question. Is, is the governor feeling really good about where the Republican Party is sitting right now here in the state as the election approaches? Yeah, I'll let Jimmy answer that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would think I think you've got to be. You know, we've done the things that we said we were going to do uh, when the governor ran the first time. You know, he had some key promises, um, computer coding, cutting taxes, uh, reforming state government. And he's done all those things. He's done all those things with the help of the legislature who's ran on a lot of the same things. And so, you know, I think we've got to be in a good spot going forward when you do what you say you're going to do. You know, people tend to like that. All right. Guys, I'm going to let you get out of here. All right. We're out of time. Thanks for having us. We'll do it again next Thursday. JR, appreciate you coming in. Jamie, JR asked me, should Jamie come on? I said, you never know when we're going to cross the line. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we let him come on in. Appreciate you thinking about that. So, all right. We Thanks, got, Dave. Got more coming your way. Mr. Thurston is up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I got to tell you, John Thurston is here, and I like John Thurston. I have. I think he's done a great job in the constitutional office he's been in as land commissioner. But I, when I look at his name, Gilligan's Island runs through my mind, and I think of John Thurston Owl. You know, I just I want to put <laughs> Owl. Right. I want to put Owl on the end of your name. I really do. I wish I had his money. <laughs> yeah, I bet you yeah, you do. He was the rich no, guy. No, you're just thinking oh, about yeah. Ginger, I know. Right, right. Yeah, I. but I was a Marianne kind of guy. That's true. You know, that kind of, no, we won't get into that discussion. But anyway. I'm no, just, don't. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, Elizabeth has come in. It's always nice to have her here as well. But uh, John Thurston is going to join us for at least a half hour. And uh, I want to talk to him uh, a little bit about uh, the National Day of Prayer, which is going on today. And uh, you've been involved in this uh, pretty closely, I understand. You bet. Um, you know, I was in the ministry for 13 years. See, I did not know. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, isn't that amazing that I... You didn't look, know that. I did not know that. I knew that. Right. You know what I knew? That he had been married to a black woman. That's <laughs> just... If, I was talking to him about this earlier. That's how I got to know John Thurston because right. I was on doing talk then here in, in uh, Little Rock. And uh, Joe Booker, who was from down at Power, came up and he says, you got to hear this ad. you <laughs> right. got to hear this ad. I wish I had it. I'd play it right now. And it was a great ad. And part of it is, I, you know, how do I feel about race or something? Well, I was married to right. a black woman. I thought right. that was great. It gets the point right. across, doesn't it? It did. You bet. You bet. That was, that was a good season in my life. You know, she, uh, she passed away in, 0- I know. in 07. And, uh, yeah, wonderful woman. You know, I'm, I'm married again and you got a you know, huge family you know people rarely get have the opportunity to marry one good woman in their life and i've, I've had been blessed and i've had to have two great women that have been a part of my life so uh but see yeah, I'm i think blessed. there's a lot of women that are sitting out there that say that i didn't get married get to marry one of the good men in the world <laughs> right i mean <laughs> there's a few good men i left. feel i really think that you epitomize a lot of things that i look for for a politician i have no doubt in my mind you're an honest guy yeah you know you've always been honest whenever you come on my show 
I've never caught you in the twit, you know, kind of twisting things this way or that way. You've always come on and said what you believed, and you've stuck by those beliefs. And I have a lot to, to say is that I really uh, appreciate you. I appreciate that. It's been an honor, that's for sure, being land commissioner. And uh, of course, the National Day of Prayer. I've been to a prayer breakfast, and then we were at the Capitol at noon for a prayer time. How and, was the turnout uh, this year? It's been good. It's been good. The breakfast was huge. It was the uh, Kiwanis class. Uh, our Kiwanis class. The music threw me off, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Kiwanis had a prayer meeting there at Wyndham in North Little Rock, and it was a good turnout. Uh, French Hill was there, the uh, Attorney General, and Griffin was there. And, uh, you know. That's, yeah, the Lieutenant uh, Governor. That's right. That's he calls right. him, just calls him Griffin. Well, <laughs> that's okay. That's Harry. That's kind of what I call him. Right, yeah. right. We knew who that was. Among other names. But yeah. no, yeah. He's he's such a great guy. But yeah. the, the bottom line is that you showed up with a lot of the power brokers uh, that people see all the time, and that's an important thing that they showed up to, you know, petition uh, the Almighty for right. his blessing not only upon our country but upon our state. That's right. You know, the theme for the National Day of Prayer today is, is unity. Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about unity and equality even among the the media. And, you know, when you, when you look at the pledge, you know, it says one nation under God, mm-hmm. indivisible, right? Indivisible means unity. Yes. With liberty and justice for all. Well, we always talk about the unity and the justice and the liberty all of the time. You know, we're, we preach it all the time. But before that, it says one nation under God. And so, um, and that's really important. Absolutely. The one nation part. Yeah. It makes me wonder these days. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's important that we come together and and pray and, uh, repent of all of our craziness, you know? So, uh, yeah. Good day. And seek God's face and favor on our country. You bet. That's right. It's an important, uh, important thing to do. Although there's, you know, people who would, I'm sure say, well, you can't do that kind of stuff because, you know, you're not supposed to go, have church and state. Yeah, yeah, all of you that. You can't talk about anything having to do with church. Which is, right. got a, which is a completely, you right. know, skewed view of the First Amendment of the Constitution. But, sure. yeah, I, I, this is a, a good thing to remember. I saw a bumper sticker one time. You know, a lot of people says, you know, uh, God bless America. And But the the other side of that coin is even more important. That is America bless God. Right. And I think we forget about that a lot mm-hmm. of times. That's right. Know? So uh, That's right. The only reason we're here. Yeah scripture, yeah. scripture is pretty clear that we're supposed to go and and, and make uh, recompense for what we've done right. as a nation. And we should be doing that and, yeah, and I mean, stay in his good graces. You bet. I think of the uh, the scripture where it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know, that's the nation that's blessed. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, we we definitely need to continue to support Israel and, uh-huh. um, you know, keep our, our face turned toward God. Again. Absolutely. <laughs> you bet. Got the American flag flying here and it also the Israeli flag. Yes, get sir. a long shot, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he can get it in or, or not. I don't know if he it can. Might be dis- yeah, I don't know difficult. if he can. Oh, there he is. He's there it is. Zooming out. There, there it is. is. Yeah. For everybody who doesn't think it's there, it is there. There it is. So sure. all of you people want to call me a, a rabid Zionist. I wear that like uh, a button of honor, to be yeah. honest with you. I saw you got the American flag and That's Israeli right. flag. That's, That's right. good. All right. So tell me real quick, now that I know that you were in the ministry, 
What made you leave the ministry and end up in politics? Well, I had been interested in politics. I was probably like most of your listeners, you know, uh, listened to a lot of cable news, watched watched cable news, and um, you know, began to be irritated a little bit on the way things were can't imagine were that, going. John. And you know, in two thousand and nine, I I called the party. I told I asked Doyle. I said, "Do you have anybody running for land commissioner?" And and uh, no sensational reason. I didn't have you know every you know every little boy wants to be land commissioner when they grow yeah, up. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know. Big big position. Right, but. Um, you know, and no one was running. I, th- I said, well, this is not the year to let Democrats go uncontested. Mm-hmm. And so no one stepped up. And so I thought, well, I will. And I uh, stepped up and ran. And, you know, the, the rest was history. Uh, was the first. You re- won. That's right. The first Republican uh, since it became an office in 1868. Wow. So it's been it's been good. And, you know, Amazing. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the secretary of state race, but. Um, you know, when I took office, I w- there there wasn't any uh, Republicans I could call upon to say, "Hey, well, what am what should I expect?" Right. Because I was the first one, so uh, you know, I'm the only one that has been through a transition, and not just any transition, but a transition where the other party had control of for you know close to 140 years. So uh, gained a lot of experience and learned a lot during that that uh, transition, which a transition you know can easily last a year. I mean, there's a lot to do. Uh, in that so figuring what what you could do and then figuring out what you could undo that's right that's right things keep popping up from previous administrations their decisions and uh, you know when you're in a constitutional office the first thing you have to do or you should do is uh, make sure you're fulfilling your statutory responsibility that that's the very first thing find out what the law says are we complying and uh, and if you're not, then you you know you make adjustments and uh, so uh, and then after that you know you get to implement policies and procedures and put in systems and controls to uh, you know uh, cre- create some safeguards and such to prevent a lot of uh, either unethical things or fraud for one you know right uh, you know among your budget I mean I'm responsible for a forty forty million dollar annual budget so that's a that's a lot of money and um, you know during my time as land commissioner there. Hasn't been a hint of corruption or any controversy during my time there. So, it, but it's been an absolute honor, for sure. And one of the things that I remember also as land commissioner that you did is that uh, what they ended up like taking some money out of your your department. BB did or something like that. Yeah, they, they, it was it was uh, oh shoot about eleven million I believe that was my first being baptized into. Uh, public office was a couple of legislatures came down and said, "Hey, you have about twenty-four million unobligated funds," and we were like, "Hold on now!" And so we, we had to prove what funds were obligated. You know, most of that was for the county, and it was unfortunate we had to kind of, as we were learning the office, we had to educate uh, those two legislatures that came down. Yeah, this a is not a, a big slush fund you, you boys can get a, a bunch exactly. of money out of, right? But there was about $11 million, uh, that was unobligated, and that money uh, accumulated over the years through, you know, investments. We would put that money into CDs and such. And, mm-hmm. of course, back when the interest rates were good, you know, uh, that money would add up quickly when you have several million in there. Now you just send and, it uh, over to Ed Garner, right? That's right. He's doing a good job. <laughs> and there. you make money, too, boy. <laughs> that's right. All right. So you send it over there, and but they, finish your story. What was What did they end up using that money for? Well, I was— 
told uh, it was going to be used to pay for the uh, 27th pay period for state government. You know, every, golly, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if it's every eight years or what, whatever it is, you know, there's, there's a 27th pay period. Well, okay. they, they wasn't prepared for that that particular uh, year, and they were going around looking for, for money to help make that up. And, uh, and of course, I wrote a letter to, to BB saying, sure, we, we believe we could uh, hand this over. Right. And it was about $11 million, and, uh, of course, everything went well. Because it, it it's not my money anyway, but if it's, un- right. if it's unobligated, the state had a need, you know, there was a need, and uh, everything was fine. All right. You bet. I remember when that happened, yeah, though. Yeah, good was, experience. It was so. a big story when it happened. Yeah, good experience. I mean, Michael Wickline was writing the, the article, so it's got to be a big That's story right. of Michael Wickline. If you get Mike Wickline. writing about it, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> so, so bear with me and back up just a little. I think I know a little bit about it, but explain what the land commissioner does, because I think many people don't really, really understand Sure. Uh, we're a constitutional office, just like the other six, you know, but everybody knows the governor. Not many people know the land commissioner, but we primarily deal with uh, tax delinquent properties. You know, once a parcel is delinquent at the county level, uh, it's there for two years delinquent. Then the collector of the county certifies that parcel, sends it to us where we have it for another two years. And we're doing title work. We're sending out regular mail, certified mail, doing everything we can to, uh, collect the taxes is it mostly collection or are you researching titles and things to make yeah, sure yeah, that so you we got do, the right person and so that's forth right and so we on? do we do title work and then all interested parties that show up we're contacting them as well sending them uh notification and so uh, but if it fails to go to public auction and this is could be a different topic whether or not you know the, the state selling the property is constitutional we I mean mm-hmm. that's that's a that's whole debatable. topic of its own that's debatable i mean i i I see that side. But anyway, but it is what it is. And then the property does go to auction uh, after the two years that we have it. So it's delinquent for around four and a half years before it goes to auction. Now, didn't you change something about that when the property was sold? Wasn't there a a stipend that came to you or something because of that? Well, you know, we implemented uh, new mapping features. That's some changes that we made. I was, I was the first one to actually bring online mapping to the office, which made it easier for folks who were interested in this property. Uh, there were some laws that were changed, you know, from the, the minimum bid price, uh, the redemption period, you know, after a parcel sales uh, is now only 10 business days. It was 30 days when I took office. Hmm. Uh, and um, so, yeah, there was there was has been a lot yeah. of changes over the years. You've a lot of stuff to streamline your own office. I'm That's curious right. about that redemption period. How often does anyone get to take, I say, get to take advantage of that? Oh, they do. Does it happen? Yes, they do. After they four sure, and a half years? They sure do. No, I mean, it's Ten all, days. Okay, I'm going to get it back. <laughs> unfortunately, some folks kind of watch to see, you know, if it sells or not, and then I guess... That's a little motivation. But, yeah. I mean, if you don't have the money wow. by then, I don't know how you get it in 10 days. That's what I'm but, thinking. After four and a half years, you got right. 10 days, you're going to do it. Right. Yeah. But it does happen, for sure. Interesting. All right. We got more time today to spend with John Thurston. He's now running for Secretary of State. We'll move over and talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about Hill's, uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Today is the beginning of the Gemstones of the World Showcase event. This is a three-day showcase event running the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th of May. And uh, we're going to talk about Colombian emeralds over at Hillcrest and all kinds of colored gemstones. But uh, Francie uh, Sanchez-Guadavita is going to be back here. Uh, Her family uh, 
in Colombia has uh, three or four emerald mines. She's been involved with emeralds all of her life. She's at Hillcrest to answer any of your questions dealing with emeralds. And then, of course, uh, the folks over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelries will be there to answer your questions as well. But it's only for three days. It's May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh. You stop by and visit with them today, and uh, this is going to knock your eyes out, some of the, the stones that you're going to have there and the prices uh, that you can uh, take advantage of. That is at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh. All right, let's talk to John Thurston, who is the land commissioner now. He's tapped out eight years, so he's running uh, for secretary of state. What what turns you on about getting to be Secretary of State if you if you're elected? What is it that you want to do with that office? Because you know Mark Martin's done a really good job. Sure has. He sure has. And something he's done that most people may not realize, unless you've been in the Capitol and have seen, and saw the Capitol before he was elected. You know he's he's an engineer by trade, and he has done an enormous amount of work on the grounds, on the Capitol building itself. You know restoration projects and so forth. So he has done a great job. But you know. Uh, some areas that excite me, you know, uh, I would like to to eliminate voter fraud uh, once and for all. If you know, you're not going to you're not going to totally eliminate it. I understand that, but it, you know, put some things in place that will cut it way back. And one, and also, if voter fraud takes place, I would like the penalty to be so severe that no one would want to do it. You know. Oh yeah. Why? But, but as it is now, it's it's really not even a slap on the wrist when it takes place and you rarely can find anyone that's willing to prosecute so uh, voter fraud so how would you go how would you start how would you go about right Uh, of course the voter id is going to help at the at on election day but voter fraud takes place in a couple of areas uh either at registration or at the poll and of course voter id will help eliminate that uh at registration uh, Kansas, Kansas does this, and I would like to see it here in Arkansas. And, and, and I know it would inconvenience some of the folks registering, but I would like to see verification of citizenship when you register to vote. Um, one particular county, and I won't say the county to protect them, but uh, someone who was not a citizen—they were not here illegally, but they weren't a citizen. They mm-hmm. voted. They voted in six elections before anyone found out. Wow! And so, um, you know, one illegal vote cancels out another's legal vote mm-hmm. i mean and, and um yes. another area is uh, there was a community up close to jonesboro and this was in the paper um not too long ago where they had an abnormal spike in registration uh something like 50 or something 50 or 60 folks all of a sudden registered in this small little town that was only made up of about 60 or 70 folks so it, it almost doubled uh, and then about 20 of the folks who registered, it said that their place of residence was in a, an abandoned commercial building there in town. So it was voter fraud. Okay, I want you to hold your thoughts. Yeah. i got to take a break. we got news coming up. Gotcha. Got a quick break on a news story about John Woods. He has been found guilty, 15 of 17 counts. We'll have more on that, I'm sure, uh, before we get done today. Next hour, we're going to be talking about a, a whole lot of different topics But he is found guilty, and uh, the other gentleman found guilty as well. We'll tell you the exact uh, story when we get back. All right, you just come back from the break. Uh, I I said this before we went to the break. You may not caught it. Uh, But the Woods trial 
has come to an end as far as uh, you know being you know not guilty or guilty the jury has reported uh john woods found guilty of 15 of 17 counts and shelton was found guilty of 12 of 15 counts uh did we get anything about when uh the judge is going to sentence not yet nothing on that all right know that on each count for john woods except for one of them uh you face 20 years in prison uh one of the counts was 10 years and he he was the only one that had that facing him uh shelton has got uh, 12 uh counts that he's found guilty of each one 20 years mm. in prison if they give him the max Goodness. And i'm sure they'll they'll run them concurrently and not you know consecutively, consecutively. although in my view it should be consecutive mm. You know, I don't think either one of them should get out of here. They, they, you talk about breaking the public trust, and we mentioned this. You look at this, and this plays into everybody who thinks that all politicians are are out there to make just a buck for themselves. Uh, I can tell you we got a guy sitting here in the studio. That's not the way he is, but this mud splashes on you, John. Sure, sure. It does. It makes all the honest folks look bad. It right. does. Unfortunately. Right. Don't like that. All right, so let's go back. You're running for Secretary of State now. Uh, one of the things that is very important for, that the Secretary of State does is run the elections of the state. That's I mean, right. uh, I, I've already found uh, you made the statement, you know, voter fraud to you is very, very important, though uh, the the punishments for voter fraud are not that strong. That's right. And, you know, finding someone that will that, that are you know, willing to prosecute. That's that's the challenge also. And okay, so can I stop you just for a second to ask this question? Sure. As Secretary of State, can you get with uh some of the elected officials and say, Hey guys, I'd like to, you know, draft up some legislation that says prosecutors must prosecute voter sure. fraud. Sure. And I'd like to see have some teeth. That's right. You know, in uh uh, if people are found guilty for punishment? That's right, yes. And, and in, in doing that, I believe that it would self-correct itself. I mean, self-correct. Uh, because now, you know, someone says, yeah, I'll just go do it. They, Nobody I'll looks. Vote. No Nobody one cares. looks. No, one, yeah. no one's going to do anything. So once that, you know, those penalties are in place and, um, you know, you see a few folks penalized and, and, and uh, convicted and so forth, then I believe that it will it will go down tremendously. There's no way to measure vote, voter fraud. I mean, because either you don't know it happens or it's already happened. Um, you know, the voter ID will help, you know, the, at registration. You know, I'd like to see proof of citizenship, but also uh, I'd like to see uh, some software in place that when you see an abnormal spike in voter registration, that that sends a red flag. Say, mm-hmm. okay, why was there a spike over here in this little this little community? And then you can look into it. But I want the county clerks, the election commissioners, the poll workers to know that someone in Little Rock has their back, you know, when when it does happen. Because I'm sure they are discouraged when it happens. They will, why bother? No one's going to listen. No one's going to help us deal with this. So um, I'll, I will be chairman of the state board of elections. Now, secretary alone in the office of secretary of state has no authority to prosecute. But as chairman of the state board of elections, that's where that authority comes in, because the state board of elections are the ones who 
uh, participate in a lot of these investigations and, and so forth. So, um, so are you talking the Pulaski County prosecutor? Who's the prosecutor? Sure, any prosecutor. Yeah, that's right. Uh, does that's it happen right. where the fraud is happening, or does it happen in Little Rock? Well, it would happen where the fraud is, is taking place. Yeah, okay. and then you'd Thank have, you. You would have to find a prosecutor that, yeah. Okay. Um, Ooh. And I yeah. say fine. That's but, a challenge because you're dealing with a whole lot of different prosecutors now. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, voter fraud, redistricting will take place in 2021. And I already Ooh. mentioned that to you. So it'd be, if you were elected, it'd be you, Asa Hutchinson, and, uh, of course, our attorney general. That's right. Yeah. Assuming... We all three, all three, all three are re-elected, you know, um, elected or reelected. That's right. Uh, redistricting. Th- this will be the first time, assuming that we hold um, uh, those offices, that Republicans have drawn the lines uh, since re- Reconstruction. So there's a lot at stake. Um, this will uh-huh. be the first time that Democrats have not been at the table during the redistricting process. So, so, so let me stop you. This is a, a this is a good case. For an example of what we're talking about, Mark Martin was the only Republican uh, constitutional officer that was working on redistricting because he had to be included. But you had BB Governor and McDaniel AG, and he was kind of locked out from that whole thing. Sure, sure, no, no doubt. Um, you know, gerrymandering is uh, well, first illegal, and again, there's no way you know really to prove that. That's just what I was saying. Prove it was gerrymandering. Right, exactly. You know, but I would like to see lines that coordinate with the county at the county level. Um, Right now we have a lot of ballot splits. We have multiple ballot styles. And the old voting equipment is, for one, having problems keeping up with the multiple ballots. Uh, Not only that, you know, I would like to see lines that keep communities together. You know, some of the districts now... A state rep or a senator geographically just it's so hard for them to even get to certain parts of their constituents um, and so drawing lines that make sense keeping communities together so that they, they you know the uh, representative can actually be able to touch the, uh, their constituents better so um, a lot at stake right there I'm familiar with the uh, GIS mapping that's used in the redistricting process, um, as you can imagine, we deal with a lot of maps, and we've done some projects with the GIS mapping, um, you know, brought brought for the first time online mapping to the land commissioner's office. So um, we use the, the software that's used in the redistricting process is au- called Autobond. Historically, that's the software that's used, and, um, you know, the, the General Assembly will draw the lines for the congressional districts. Then the Board of Apportionment will draw the lines for uh, House and Senate mm-hmm. districts. And at the same time, that's going on. The counties will be drawing their lines for JP races and so forth, or JP districts. So, so we the, can get crazy, so, so they're need, saying. That's right. And, and so this process will need to begin the day after I'm sworn in, <laughs> The you know bringing all the stakeholders to the table to where we can have lines that make sense. Let, let me throw another iron in the fire. I was just at a lunch meeting today. A lot of conversation at lunch today about constables and township lines right? and how the township lines are, of course, still valid, but everything else is so overlapped now that the ballot 
um, styles and, and setting up for an election is becoming quite complex. That's right. And school, so school the, districts as well. Yeah, I mean, school that's, districts that's another... is the other one. So, yeah, the, the conversation at lunch was pulling all that to where it's all in the same, which I don't know if that's even possible. Well, is it geographical it, it's to probably, put all those things in the same place? It's probably not possible to do it perfectly. Uh, but it closer is closer than we are now. <laughs> exactly. It is possible to draw lines that make sense. I mean, I, uh, make it a little easier on our election uh, process and our commissioners. And that's right. I would think it would make voting more accurate, maybe, and sure. counting of the votes. And are, are you telling me we may not have the fickle finger of fate in District 4? <laughs> District 4? <laughs> right. The, the finger going up. <laughs> well, and the other thing is you got to right. know. Of course, no matter, the General Assembly will, will be drawing those. Yes, so. I got you. That's right. You know, no matter how you draw the lines, you're going to get sued. Sure. If it's all, if, especially if it's three Republicans, you sure. know it. You know. Oh, sure. First sure. thing's going to happen. And the one, Doesn't matter how it's done, you're going to get sued. That's right. <laughs> and an area where you will for sure get sued is when you um, you don't draw districts that uh, you know give minorities uh, adequate representation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's just wrong. It shouldn't sure. be happening. That's right. That's legitimately wrong. And of course, not just because you're of a different political party. That's right. And there are some districts that we currently have where one district was was stacked with minorities, and another the other district next to it was uh, wasn't stacked. Well, they could have actually drawn both of those districts uh, where the minorities had some strong influence in those districts, but rather than giving it piling it up on one. Mm-hmm. Now that is not that's not right. So. Minorities, minorities will be in mind during the redistricting process, and also, you know, uh, communities just trying to m- make sense and coordinate the lines. All right, John Thurston, our guest, he's running for Secretary of State. He's Lane Commissioner now, and uh, I don't need to run across that he actually believes in the Constitution of the United States. I think you're kind of picking that up as we, we talk here. Big Second Amendment adherent as well. But we'll uh, finish up our conversation when we come back. Let me remind you about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. As I've been telling you, it's like 500 and something people a day uh, that are undergoing, um, you know, amputations for vascular diseases and things of that nature. I know a lot of people think prosthetics and orthotics uh, dealing with, you know, sports or something like that or, you know, somebody was in an accident and it happened. It happens mostly because of health-related issues, type 2 diabetes things of that nature, and uh, you can find yourself in this position uh, before you know it, and you need a consultation uh, before uh, you go in and go in under the knife. You should talk to somebody like Mike Horton or Chris Horton, Tanya, Gary, any of those folks. Have a consultation about what they say that they can do for you under the uh, direction of the physician and what they want to be able to reach uh, for you. Uh, and, and that's really important so that they can put your mind at ease about what's going to happen. You can get to meet them. You can understand that it's, an, it's, a, it's a business that has a lot of empathy uh, with their, uh, you know, their patients, and they're going to do everything they can to take you to the highest rate of mobility in life that they possibly can. Call them at 501-663-2908. Visit them at 5220 West 12th Street here in Little Rock. need to bring three things with you. One, you need to bring your driver's license to prove who you are. Number two, 
bring your insurance card. Number three, bring the piece of paper from your doctor that says what the treatment entails. You do all of that, and the folks at Horton's are going to do everything they possibly can to make your life 100% of what you want. All right, back, Dave Ellswick Show. Let's uh, get back with John Thurston and talk about a, a really serious topic that we haven't touched on. Being Secretary of State, we've talked about how he's responsible to make sure the elections are being held they're being held in an ethical way. The votes are being counted correctly. All of that. Let's talk about the machinery behind running right. an election. It costs money. I mean, it's not like there's some company out there that makes machines and says, how many does your, your state need? Okay, we'll send you a couple hundred. Right. It's not the way it works. That's right. You know, I read this quote to you guys earlier, but I want to read it to the listeners because when I was doing some research on voter fraud, Spanish philosopher Jose Ortega Gasset said this, said, The health of democracies of whatever type and range depends on a wretched technical detail, electoral procedure. All the rest is secondary. So, so when, you know, we can have our form of government without roads, and, I, you know, bear with me, I know roads yeah. are important. We can have our form of government without education. We can have our form of government without health care and the beautiful Capitol building there in Little Rock. But we cannot have our form of government without elections, meaning that elections are the most important thing that government does. So with that mindset, when you talk about the voting equipment and the funding of the voting equipment, to me the, fun- the funding of the- this new equipment is the most important thing that government should be funding. So uh, this new equipment, it's good. It's very good. It's the Cadillac, I call it. Um, you know, it prints out an actual paper ballot that you put in your hand and you check where, you know. you. Do, a lot you, of people want that. That's right. It's good equipment. You get to double check what you, uh, how you voted, and then it goes into the file. And uh, so this equipment cost about $6,000 a pop. And originally, there were some pilot counties where the counties received full funding to see how the how it would work, how the how counties would like it, and so forth. And it's good equipment. Well, the money has gone down. It's gone not completely dry, but it's gone down. So now the counties are being asked, those who have not received the new equipment, are being asked to pay for half of it. And you know, not every county is like Benton and Washington County. Mm-hmm. Not every county has a huge tax base. They can't afford they, it. They can't afford yeah. it. And so this is this is really a big issue uh, with the counties. And if when elected in uh, November and sworn in in January, we're going to open up the bidding process once again to to bring in some competitive bidding with with, with all the uh, voting equipment, hard, mm-hmm. hardware, and software. Uh, there's other companies that provide voting equipment. I'm not saying we're going to a new company. I'm not saying we're going to a different equipment. I'm saying we're going to open the bidding process up to to create a bidding war, if you will. Or I'm going to, I'm going to have to find it within my own budget to find the funding. Sec- thirdly, I'm going to camp out on the governor's steps uh, because it's, you know elections are the most important thing that government does. So I'm going to be camping out on the governor's step as soon as being sworn in and, and, and just really pressing him, pressing the legislatures. And, 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 uh, to finance what it takes to get these machines. That's right, to, to get this done. And then we have to have a funding mechanism in place 
for the future. We can't be coming up against this again. You know. Thank you. The, equi- <laughs> the equipment that the counties received during the um, pilot process, you know, mm-hmm. the pilot counties, what they were called, well, that was, set, you know, a few years ago. So by, at the rate we're going, you know, they're going to probably need new equipment by the time the, the entire state receives exactly. the new equipment. Exactly. So there has to be a funding mechanism in place. And again, everything government does is secondary to elections. There's not a single one of us down there at the Capitol who got there uh, any other way but it, by elections. It's you know. fundamental. And I have a girlfriend that will just be thrilled to death. But this is critical. It's what everything is based on is whether or not our votes count, whether they're recorded properly, whether the appropriate people are being allowed to vote, citizens only. That's right. Yeah. That's I'm right. really glad to know you're interested you in looking hard at it. Make it happen. Make it you happen. Bet. I mean, that's what Secretary of State's supposed to be pointing out, those types of things. That's right. Yeah, if you're interested in voter fraud, elect John Thurston. I Get appreciate it. it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, we like I'm, I'm going to take, I take it very seriously, that is for sure. And we will be uh, addressing the, the voter rolls, trying to clean those up as well uh, at day one, uh, t- attacking that aggressively and um, – but yeah, it, it you know it's been an honor being land commissioner, for sure. It's a constitutional office, and in this particular race, I'm the only candidate that has actually run a constitutional office. Um, you know, you were talking about the previous charges uh, on the senator up there in Northwest. All right. Well, we promise uh, we we appreciate uh, you coming in uh, today, and we're going to let you uh, All right. skedaddle out. Uh, we're going to have a report here in just a moment. Tell Josh we'll take him here. We've got about two minutes, so he's already on the phone. We'll find out about the Woods trial. Do come back, uh, John. It's always a pleasure to have you here. You bet. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. John Thurston, there is no howl on it, okay? It's just John Thurston <laughs> running for Secretary of State here in the state of Arkansas and done a great job as land commissioner. All right, I understand Josh is on the line. Josh, how you doing? The uh, Woods trial is over, and Randall Shelton, uh, we've got about two minutes. Give me a, a quick rundown of what happened today. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, wanted to call in and give an update. John Woods has been found guilty on 15 of the 17 charges against him, includes, including a guilty verdict on a money laundering charge. And Randall Shelton has been found guilty on 12 of 15 of the charges. And so um, I just wanted to, to call in and, and update y'all and update the listeners there in, in central Arkansas on that. Um, it's been almost a, a month-long trial. It would be a month tomorrow. Uh, but the jury came back with a verdict today around 2.30. Um, and those are, those are the uh, – that's the verdict. All right. John so, Wood's guilty. So a possible 20 years on each count uh, that he's found guilty on except for uh, – wh- which one did you say, the money laundering? Well, that had 10 years. years. Yes, that's 10 years by itself. And the others combined was up to that. Okay. So, so he was not guilty on two of those um, charges, but was guilty on the money laundering. So looking at probably 15 to 25 years. All right. So bottom, the bottom line is when will the uh, judge tell them how long they're going to serve? Uh, there'll be a pre-sentencing hearing in about four to six months unless something comes up in between that. So they're both out on bond. They cannot travel outside of the federal district court in which their residence is. Okay. All right. We appreciate you calling. 
Yes, sir. Thanks All right. for having Thanks. me. Thanks. Bring it up to date. Bring us up to date on that. That's good to have that. We come back. We got no more guests. We got the libertarian candidate uh, for governor that's going to join us. We have a gentleman who's going to tell us about a car and bike show coming up uh, this weekend to help the vets. We'll do that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick show. All right. So uh, I'm looking outside from one of our cameras and it looks like the black clouds are moving into the area. I saw where Cabot is under under a thunderstorm warning now, a severe thunderstorm warning. So if you're out there and you're driving around, be careful. It looks like you're going to get some blinding rains as this afternoon goes. So, so yeah, the picture that they've been showing you on uh, our uh, Facebook Live broadcast today, that's the most recent we got last few seconds from Weatherbug, who's sitting on top of the, of the uh, building here. All right, in the studio, Wendell Roberts is here. He is uh, wants to talk about an Arkansas honor ride. And you know, when it comes to vets, since I am one, I'm always pressing anything that you guys are doing, trying to raise money for veterans. So tell us about the uh, car and bike show that's coming up this weekend. Well, we have a car and bike show this weekend in hot springs at the airport it's all to raise money for our organization which is the arkansas honor ride i know that sounds like a confusing name for an organization since it's also our primary event Mm -hmm. but we uh, started the arkansas honor ride as a motorcycle ride uh, five years ago and we decided to throw in a couple extra fundraisers through the year and so we're doing a car and bike show to benefit our veterans in central arkansas and mainly our disabled vets, uh, what we do with the funds that we raise throughout the year is we go build uh, things like wheelchair ramps and if they need bars in their bathrooms or, you know, almost anything that a disabled or wounded veteran needs, Mm -hmm. then we'll do our best to to help them out. All right. So you served when? I was in the Gulf War era from 91 to 98. Okay. Uh, The turkey shoot. Era, exactly, as i like yeah. to call it yeah 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 that that was that was bad although i still say they shouldn't have called it off they should have just kept on pressing them yeah as far as that was concerned but being former veteran and that's the way i feel about when you're going after the enemy uh you're supposed to destroy them destroy them keep going until uh they're they give up that's exactly right because they hadn't at that <clears throat> point but anyway uh talk about how this is going to be a poker run which is a whole lot of fun and uh, tell everybody how they get involved with this, how it all works, and uh, you know what's the big prize at the end. Well, for each of the classes at the car and bike show, we have a trophy, of course. We've got like 20-something car classes and then nine motorcycle classes for the show. So there's lots of classes, lots of trophies. And uh, then for the poker run, it's uh, – what you do is you sign up at the airport, you go make five stops with your poker run sheet, they stamp the sheet, then you bring the sheet back to the airport. Yeah, let me stop you and say, yeah, yeah you don't make just five runs anywhere. I mean, you <laughs> you don't go to the, you know, the, the five and dime or something like that and walk in and say, hey, I need a stamp here. That's right. not the way it works. They'll tell you where to go. Right. The sheet has all the uh, names of the places and the addresses that you have to go, and then someone will be there to stamp your sheet. Once you've hit all five poker run stops, you come back to the airport in Hot Springs, and that's when you draw your five cards, and best poker hand wins the pot. And we don't really know how much the pot's going to be yet. It all depends on the participation of the poker run. Okay. So, 
to get into any of this? Is there charges for the car show, charges for the motorcycle part you, of it? If you want to put your car or bike in the show, it's a $20 donation. Okay. If you want to do the poker run, it's a $15 donation. If you want to do the poker run and the car show, it's a flat $20 uh, donation. But it is free to the general public. If you just want to come out and look at the cars and the bikes and uh, hang out, we're going to have lots of kid activities like a bounce house and face painting and that kind of thing, too. So it's it's going to be a fun event. We've got lots of vendors, food vendors. So if you just want to come out and stuff your face with some tacos or something, then that's a <laughs> you know good, fun time to be there, too. All right. So this is going to all go on starting at the Hot Springs Municipal Airport 9 a.m., is that correct? That or, is right. Or is it earlier if you want to get into the car show and everything? Is 9 a.m. is when it's going to all start? We're going to kick it off at 9 a.m. Of course, you'll have your early. The car show guys like to be early so they can get, you know, a good spot or whatever. But uh, So they'll end up showing about eight about 8.30 or so. But it officially starts at 9. The uh, judging starts at noon. The trophies for the car and bikes are at 2 everything's done by 3 p.m. all right and the bottom line uh, as far as weather goes i've seen there's chance of early morning rain and then becoming just a beautiful day for saturday uh any kind of weather it, you should show up no matter rain or shine right dave we don't talk about rain when we're having a car and bike show we don't talk about okay. it so that way it doesn't happen if we don't talk about it it doesn't exist i'm looking at your buddy that's here with you and he's got his goggles still on did you like ride upstairs no, I uh, I wear them all the time. So it's it's my prescription glasses. Oh, okay. So you've you've former vet as well. I didn't make it to to swear in. I had a seizure two days before I swore oh, wow. in, and they denied me access then. Oh, okay. Well, you wanted to. Let's just put it that way. That's better than the ones that say, "Well, I wanted to, but you know, I had a corn on my foot." You know, that kind of stuff. And that's the great thing about a lot of the people involved in the Arkansas on ride. Not everybody's a vet, but we all love our vets, and we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Nobody on our board or in our organization makes a dime off this. We're all volunteers. We all love our vets, and we just want to help. And all the money goes to help the vets. That's the key to all of this. And as you heard him talk about, they build ramps for wheelchair access into homes, put the the bars in the houses, and and all the rest. You guys do a lot of stuff. We sure try to help them out any way we can. And you know, they call their veteran service officer in their county. The veteran service officer calls us or a group like us, and we do what we can to help. So everybody is vetted, is what you're saying? Exactly. All right, that's always important because. Hate to say it, but there are people who will take advantage and say that they served during certain times and I was here or I was there and uh, they never even stepped foot into foreign soil at any at any time. That's right. And it's sad, but it does happen. Well, it's it's the truth. People use, you know, when you when you say Medal of Honor, for instance, people know that's a big deal in the military. And there's been people who have claimed to be Medal of Honor winners and they weren't even in the service. Right, and that's just sad. You're taking something very important and precious away from the military service members who did actually achieve the Medal of Honor. That's a very, very high, outstanding service award. Yeah, I don't know if the guy down in Dallas is still alive or not. I need to find out, I guess, and have him back on. He wrote a book called Stolen Valor. That's a great, great book, and I've had him on uh, several times. You remember the actor uh, Donahue? 
you you remember him from um uh, what was it the one that sylvester did uh stallone did the blood uh what was that called the very first one about the vet the vet that went crazy on the the washington town or whatever anyway he said that he served in vietnam and that he had been in combat several times came out fine that he never served at all wow he's still acting by the way they don't hold that against him i do i won't ever go see another movie that he's in this is not going to happen no all right well i appreciate you coming in wendell and being part of this i wish we had gotten you in uh, earlier instead of on you know the you know the day before basically may 5th is when this happened 9 a.m 3 p.m hot springs municipal airport you want to be part of a car and a bike show here's your opportunity they're having a poker run i know that you all who ride the bikes love to do that they're going to have all kinds of trophies judging is at noon for this uh trophies at two to twenty dollar fee uh the poker run goes from 9 a.m to 1 p.m high hand prize fifteen dollar fee to get in that what the prize is they can't say it all depends on how many people want to play right and the poker run is open to anybody you don't have to be on a bike you can be in a car a camel we don't care oh okay that would be cool camel riding the riding to these stores and a camel that would be very cool appreciate it. and you probably know how to ride a camel don't you after being to golf more sadly yes i see and they do spit and they yes, do spit they do. and you can get seasick riding yes. on them the way that you gotta ride them i appreciate you thanks for coming in guys Thank let's you. get a quick break and we'll come back libertarian candidate for governor with us next on the dave ellswick show all right back with you to dave ellswick show 20 minutes after four mark west is here he is running for governor he's a part of the libertarian party here in arkansas he's from the batesville area and mark what uh, convinced you you had to run for governor well when i look at the state of arkansas uh, one of the things that i see is it's not a uh, a destination state you know i've got a my oldest son is getting ready to graduate high school he'll be a senior this year and uh he's looking at colleges and careers and and nothing is around here and uh when you talk to you know young people a lot of the careers they're looking for aren't here uh, and one of the big problems in Arkansas is you have an economy where um, some people are getting ahead and others aren't. You know, seven counties are all that are growing, you know, in the entire state. We have 75 counties in the state. Uh, Delta poverty still hasn't really changed. It's still a it's a lingering, festering situation that we need to address, uh, and we want to try to find ways to cut Cut the size of our government, uh, cut taxes on individuals, cut taxes on business, just create an atmosphere that makes this a destination state for corporations, a destination state for entrepreneurs and, and family businesses uh, so that we can be a state that grows and, and people come to to work uh, and to build. Uh, we shouldn't – I'm tired of us losing to Texas and Tennessee and Missouri. I want us to be at the top of that pile. All right, so what would you suggest as the libertarian candidate that – be done to you know build, come up with those jobs that are necessary for instance in the delta or whatever uh, what changes to the tax policy do you need, think need to be made 
I think first and foremost, we've got to get to a point where we can eliminate corporate taxes. I I think corporate taxes, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they hear corporate taxes, their first thought is always, well, you know, you're just protecting, you know, the the big corporations and, you know, the the guys are at the top. But when you really look at what the corporate tax structure does, your family businesses are hurt the most by it. Uh, They're they're hurt the most by all the regulations that are out there on businesses. So you have to deal with the tax structure and the regulatory atmosphere so that you can create the opportunity for entrepreneurs to start businesses, uh, for family businesses to stay alive and and grow. Uh, And our economy right now hurts that because we have a regulatory atmosphere and a a tax atmosphere that that harms that. And then also you have, you know, we are one of the highest tax states in our region and our state legislature, our budget is one of the highest per capita spending uh, legislatures in our region. So we need to create an atmosphere where we've got less government in the way of business, less government in the way, especially of, of family business, uh, because what inevitably happens is the giant corporations, as much as you know, you, you need the corporations, you also have to be careful with them because they are able to work and manipulate politicians so that regulations that they can afford to deal with, but family businesses can't. So they crush, you know, any competition uh, that could come up from the bottom. So we've got to create an atmosphere that that is bringing the entire state up together, that, that's targeting all of Arkansas. Uh, and that's going to require a lot of work, but it's going to require the work to happen in our communities. Uh, a lot of our – I would like to see more of the uh, – where your businesses, local businesses, local industries work with high school kids to begin preparing them for the jobs that are there and the jobs of the future. Uh, you know, It's going to require a cooperative effort in the whole state to bring the whole state up together economically. I saw a story, I believe it was yesterday, saying that if we want to see Arkansas really grow in talking about all states within uh, the union, is that businesses have to get involved with education – and tell education what they need people for kids to know. Uh, bottom line exactly. is that the whole thing said if you're just getting a, you know, a, an arts degree, you're just wasting your money because that's not what business is looking for. Right, and that that's one thing that we've got to create is this interaction between businesses and the educational community because our education system right now it's failing our it's failing our students and it's not the teacher's fault. Uh, part of the way part of the problem we have is the way our education system is structured. Uh, part of the way that um, our students are prepared, uh, you know, there should be this interaction. You know, it, it, in the business that I work in, we hire a lot of welders and uh, you know people that do pipe fitting and different types of that type of work uh you know there's some students in high school they they aren't looking for a future in college they don't want to go to college uh, but they can get skills in high school that can have them ready for the workforce when they graduate so maybe they're not stuck living at home till they're 25 (laughs) and and can get on their feet um but in order to get there you know in order to get our tax structure there we have to deal with spending in little rock and spending by our state government and that's why we've proposed cost which is a committee on spending and taxation uh, and what we want to do is begin looking at every agency, everything that our our government does on a government level, find the overlap, find the redundancy, uh, find where things are being unnecessarily done uh, so that we can cut spending, you know, just as a starting point to begin cutting spending uh, and then uh, begin working back from there uh, toward being able to reduce the total expenditure that we have in government and reduce taxes for everyone. I found this story that I was talking about yesterday. I hadn't thrown it away. 
Uh, half of employers don't think college prepares students for work. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to see this story? No, I haven't seen that story, but I've, I've heard that concept uh, a lot uh, out on the campaign trail. I know that when I've talked to uh, people, especially in the in the Delta region, that's one of the big big complaints they have is they've got kids either that don't get through high school or kids that have come home from college and they've got a degree that they can't use. So either way, they're they're still living at home and in mama's basement. And, you know, we, we need a way to incorporate our businesses into our high schools so that they can say, hey, these are the jobs that we're looking for. Uh, they, they call it the skills gap. You know, they have jobs, but they need certain skills for people to step into those jobs. And uh, in order to get people prepared for those jobs, I think it would be a great idea to incorporate our businesses in our high schools and local industries into the high schools that do job training and skills training uh, so that these kids are ready when they get out of school. If they, if they don't want to go to college – that way they have skills that are marketable and they can go work in some of these places and and provide and and provide these jobs and provide these services uh across our state well let me just read one two sentence paragraph that they have here a full 90 percent of employers now are open to accepting applicants who have not obtained a traditional four-year degree Price Waterhouse Coopers, Ernst and Young, and others publicly ditched their traditional degree requirements. They're looking for people who can do the jobs. Well, and that's a good thing. We just got to be able to train people to do the jobs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we've got to have that training in place. Uh, and again, I believe getting our industry and local industry and local businesses involved in our high school is is one quick way to get there. All right, and then for you who are listening that are young folks, and I know there's a lot of you who listen, I've I've heard from you many times, few employers want to hire liberal arts majors, <laughs> referencing a 2% estimate from another survey. He also mentioned that no one cares about your GPA anymore, suggesting only around 1% of employers indicated that they want it that metric what do they want companies tended to favor hard skills over soft skills so the whole idea of when i was a kid and i was going to college you wanted to get a white collar job i'm telling you the money is to be made now in blue collar jobs (laughs) you know the the economy has shifted and uh, that's one of the things uh, I, i spoke with the group at ualr about a week ago and that is one of the things i told them you know i graduated with a radio and television broadcasting degree, but my job now is in cost accounting, uh, you know, doing all kinds of cost Smart man. Stuff. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but what I told them is I said, look, I said, yeah, you know, this is your career, but you need to be prepared to be flexible and yeah. pick up new skills as you, as you have the opportunity to learn something. Be a lifetime learner. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is so key. Don't be afraid to learn those new skills. Put in the hard work because some of those skills can come in handy, uh, especially if you get in a bind and you need work. Uh, some of those skills that you may think are a little bit lower on the totem pole could wind up paying your bills in the future all right mark's going to be with us in the next half hour as well uh you can call ask him questions 823-0965 823-0965 excuse me here on the dave Ellswick show i'm still getting used to these dentures they kind of choked me up at times but uh, we got news coming up. We're going to spend uh, about five minutes getting you all up on the news and some other stuff, and then we'll be back. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. Yeah, if you're not understanding why we're doing what we're doing, 
about hearing the prayers during my show. Today is the National Day of Prayer. Yes. So uh, we're we're following right along, and you're hearing different, uh, uh, you know, ministers and men of the cloth, so to speak, uh, throughout the show, offering their prayers to the Almighty for the benefit and to be beneficent with our country, although we don't deserve it, just to be honest with you. All right, so Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about my friends over at PI Roofing and Home Solutions, your roof leak detectives, and now you can get your roof fixed, uh, but also get all the stuff that the water uh, damaged uh, coming into that hole in your roof, the interior painting, the drywall repair, the carpentry work, uh, exterior painting that might be needed, or some pressure washing, insulation repair, ventilation. All of that now is taken care of by... Uh, a part of PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Joel, understand, Joel Johnson, who's the CEO of the company, understood that getting uh, contractors to come in and fix these small uh, problems uh, was not an easy thing to do. So he thought that he would put together uh, the men necessary and women uh, to fix these problems and that you could come to PI Roofing and they would take care of all of the things that go along with a leak in your home. So uh, you can give them a call, 501-687-6246 or piroofing.com. And remember, PI Roofing is the company I use. I used them the last time, oh, about uh, eight years ago when they replaced my roof. I have them come by about every year and a half to walk my roof to make sure everything's good because even though you have a 30-year warranty on uh, a shingle up there doesn't mean that it's not going to show any wear or tear uh, before 30 years so keep that in mind that's pi roofing and home solutions mark west our guest libertarian candidate for governor uh is out talking to people and getting the conversation going that maybe there's a different way to do things over what has been done in the past. If there's some things that people don't think, look, libertarians are different than Republicans and Democrats in that sometimes they kind of pull from both parties, so to sometimes. speak. So with that, but if when you're a libertarian, a lot of times you are more Republican than Republicans at times and more Democrat than Democrats <laughs> at times. So with, with that, in, in mind, Mark, what are some different things that you bring to the table than a traditional two-party candidate? Well, everything for a libertarian starts with uh, what we call the non-aggression principle. Uh, you hear us talk about the NAP. Uh, you'll see the NAP thrown around the Internet and on Twitter and social media. And what that means is basically this is every individual has the freedom and should have the freedom to live their life however they please uh, without – force, government force being brought against them, uh, so long as they don't infringe on someone else's right to live their life free. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, we, we, we learned it when we were little kids. You know, I've got my stuff, and I can play with it, and as long as I don't mess with your stuff, I'm good. And, you know, if I share with you, that's fine, but, you know, as long as we respect each other's property and respect each other's liberty, we can we can get along. And okay. uh, that's the libertarian philosophy, and we typically uh, go... Um, anti-force. We don't believe that government force should be used to coerce individuals and their behaviors, which is why we are, you know, you will hear us say taxation is theft, you know, because what we're saying is, well, someone's property, that's their property. They worked hard. They earned that money. No one has the right to take that outside of their permission. 
out you know that you have to use force to take that so we uh, have alternative forms of, of funding that we would rather see than taxation uh, you know you can do uh, uh, a fund or bond uh, do um, lotteries those type of things to fund certain priorities rather than have just a coercive tax uh, that where you're just basically taking someone's property against their will um, mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how good the priority is, it's never right for me to come to your house, knock on the door, and say, okay, I need 20 bucks to pay for my tire. You're going to give it to me. You don't have a choice. Um, it's, you know, it's even though you couldn't get a tire for 20 bucks, you repair a tire for 20 bucks. But it's but, a nice thought. It's a nice thought. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the, uh, but that's the, the typical difference that we bring is, is we have a different approach. We approach, um, whereas Republicans and Democrats really tend to approach government from a top-down perspective, we approach government from a bottom-up perspective, a, a empowering the individual perspective. We believe in empowering individuals, not empowering the state, not empowering a structure or a system, but in empowering individuals to build their own lives, uh, to be the masters of their own domain, and to be able to do so with as little government interference in that process as possible. All right. We talked some about, uh, you know, your idea on on taxation and how you can go about, uh, you know, creating jobs and things of that nature. And always remember, government doesn't create jobs. Businesses exactly. create jobs. And if businesses have more money to invest in their business, they may expand their business and hire more people. That's something to keep in mind. So with with that thought in mind, let's move to something else. One of the things that the uh, the government is, uh, you know, saddled with is taking care of lawbreakers. Uh, what's your view of the criminal justice system, and how would a libertarian take on that differ from what we have now? Well, libertarian take is going to look first at the law to say, well, is the law that's being enforced a, a moral law? Is it a law um, that involves a victim? Uh, the way libertarians look at crime is there has to be a victim in order for there to be a crime. If you don't have a crime, then you don't have a victim, which is why you will hear libertarians talk about uh, the legalization of marijuana because if someone is if someone is growing marijuana on their property and they're smoking it themselves, they're not committing a crime. They're not victimizing anybody in that process. So we draw the line at victimization, uh, and you don't create a victim unless you have infringed on someone's life, their liberty, or their property. So that is where we draw the line as far as as law enforcement goes, and that's why you will see a lot of us active in in certain movements to, you know, there needs to be a crime, or, you know, there needs to be a victim in order for there to be a crime. So that is our philosophical view of, of the criminal justice system. Okay, with with what we're talking about, every it seems like each party has their own platform uh, that they run on or they say they run on. It's questionable if they that, do run on them, if they hold on to them or not. But uh, how about the Libertarian Party? Is that do they have a platform, or is it left up to the you know the individual candidate? There is a national platform, uh, and there's also the Statement of Principles, and you can find those at lp.org. Uh, but each state party and individual has the flexibility, uh, and if you read our platform, you'll be able to see that. You know, Some of the planks of the platform are written to give you that leeway that you could you know, go point A or point B. One, one key topic is, is like with abortion. Uh, you know, I was just going to bring this up because this is the biggest dividing point many times with libertarians even. It, it is. Uh, there's a, almost a 50-50 split among the Libertarian Party itself over 
whether abortion should be a legal thing or whether it should be an illegal thing. And if it's illegal, uh, do you ban it or, you know, how do you confront it uh, to, to bring abortion to an end? Now, I tend to be I, – I am a pro-life – you know, I'm unashamedly I'm a pro-life libertarian. I'm on the pro-life end. Um, and one of the things that I want to see is I want to see us uh, tackle that issue in our communities. You know, I want to see – it, you know, as a governor, I want to make sure that I'm making it as easy as possible for 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 uh, families that want to engage in private adoption for women that are in crisis pregnancy. I want to make that as easy for them as possible. I want to make it as easy for crisis pregnancy centers to do what they do, uh, you know, with women that are in crisis pregnancies. Uh, I want to make it so that abortion isn't even a choice if you know what i'm saying yeah, it's I where it's it, where the other options are so good that that you're not left thinking this is the only chance i got mm-hmm. you know where, where you have systems in place in the local community to help with medical bills or or child care things of that nature you know i want to get government out of the way so that those things can happen in the local community so that we can so that we can create a lasting solution to the problem uh you know that so we can create a pro-life society where we're not just saying yeah, we're pro-life, but in everything we do in our communities, we're promoting life and, and showing how much human life matters on every level. All right. We've got another segment to go with Mark. Uh, when we come back, if you have a question, it's 823-0965, and then we'll let Mark pick it up when we come back as well and uh, take from uh, you know my question. It's going to be a general question. I'll just let you know about what he thinks needs to be done besides what he's already talked about to make uh, Arkansas the best state that it possibly can be made uh, into being. Uh, Safari Pets, 808 West Main and Cabot. Their phone number is 501-628-0067. They are the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. Largest selection of dog supplies anywhere here and here's the other thing i'll get this out uh, out of the way fast you go to some of the big box stores and you know their names i don't have to repeat them and you'll find a person probably at the cash register and nobody else in the store i mean you say something you can hear the echo uh you can't get any information from anybody about well yeah i want to buy a ferret but what other stuff do i need for a ferret uh, that's not the way it is at Safari Pets. You got people there that know the animals. They know what you need. They have everything you'll need for taking care of your pet or your pets. And they've got all kinds of pets. Look, you can adopt cats. At times, you can adopt dogs. Uh, they have also all the exotic pets, uh, the birds, the gerbils, the ferrets, the chinchillas, hedgehogs, snakes, lizards. And they even have tarantulas if you go that way as far as your pets are concerned. You need crickets, they got crickets to feed to your lizards. They got everything you need at Safari Pets. 808 West Main in Cabot. Remember, largest independent pet store in Arkansas. And, oh, wait, I forgot to mention they offer grooming. Just call that 501-628-0067 number and they'll take care of you. Back with you. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage. I've got my uh, Corolla over there right now, 2009 Corolla. It had uh, reduced pressure on one of the cylinders, and I was talking to Joe over at Joe's Garage, and he said, Dave, it's, it's going to run, but going to be running kind of rough unless you put a, you know, a rebuilt in or whatever. And so I called uh, RD over at Sunny's Auto Salvage, and I said, hey, 
can you find me a 2009 uh, engine for a Corolla? And he did, and it only had 58,000 miles on it. And so it comes off of, you know, a well-maintained total lost vehicle that he's coming to, to possession. So uh, they started yesterday. They should finish today, and then tomorrow I'll get back to car with a three-year uh, parts and warranty, uh, parts and labor warranty, and uh, unlimited mileage during that time. So, as far as I'm concerned, I can tell you right now, it's under three grand to have it all done. That's a lot cheaper than buying a new car, and that's the way I roll. I uh, I try to do it as cheap as I can. Now, you can call me cheapskate if you want. I'm just telling you that's the better way. Because you buy a new car, you roll off the you know off the lot. You just lost a third of its value like that. 982-7451 is the number to call. 982-7451. Talk to RD or one of his associates at Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Finishing up with Mark West. Mark, let me just give you a, a real wide open field to, to run here. I'll hand you the football. You tell us, as a libertarian, as candidate uh, for governor, what are the things that you would try to lead the legislature in doing differently for Arkansas? Well, uh, thank you for handing me the football, and if you give me the offensive line to block, I might be able to get somewhere. <laughs> well, that's where the legislature comes in, man. <laughs> um, well, what you have to look at, and as I said, libertarians tend to look at things from a bottom-up perspective, is what do people look for when they want to go somewhere? You know, They're going to want to go someplace safe. Uh, they're going to want to go someplace where there is opportunity, um, someplace that's beautiful, and someplace that offers things that are interesting to them. Uh, so what we need to do is is make sure that we do that as a state. Uh, one of the things, you know, let's deal with the first one, safety. You know, people need to feel safe where they go. Uh, one way that people feel safe is you give them the opportunity to provide for their own safety. You know, we need to be uh, unabashed and vocal about people's Second Amendment rights, about their right to uh, not only defend themselves in their homes, but everywhere they go, to, to have the right uh, to carry a gun, to have a right to defend themselves, their family, and their property. Uh, but we also, as a legislature, need to make it a place of opportunity by pushing the legislature to cut spending. Uh, again, we go back to costs, the Committee on Spending and Taxation, finding those cuts, making those cuts, cutting the spending so that we can cut taxes and create you know this, this low-tax atmosphere uh, this low regulation atmosphere so that family businesses can thrive and grow so people that want to start a business can come here and start a business uh, corporations that want to come and and bring uh, lots of good jobs into the state can come here um, and we can do that if we create the atmosphere that will that will bring them in and and you know when you talk about having the things to offer that people want i mean arkansas is one of the most beautiful states uh that's one of the things that makes the driving around the state so good is it's beautiful to look at i mean when you're driving through in the fall or in the winter the spring i mean it's just beautiful it's a beautiful state to drive uh so we've, we've got that thing nailed down we just got to get you know the legislature to keep the government out of people's way so that they have the opportunity to prosper uh and also so that they know that their individual liberty is going to be respected you know their freedoms of speech freedoms of religion we need to create an atmosphere that that lets them know hey i'm, I'm free to be who I am. I'm free to, to be who I am and come in this place and have the opportunity to, to get ahead and provide for myself or my family or, or you know, whatever my choice is in that matter. Right? And that, that's, that's what I would work on the Congress to do is just find – or the state legislature is just to get them 
get government out of people's ways. So Complete they can different mindset, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, it, it looks at everything from the bottom up instead of the top down. And, and that's why so many people get confused when they ask, you know, people ask questions. Well, you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, I really think about it the total opposite way that you do. So it's really hard for me to get you. I can't answer your question the way you're asking it. I have to rephrase your question so that you see that I'm really looking at it from the bottom up. You know, where, where the people matter, their rights matter, their liberties matter. How should we govern in a way that respects all of those things and doesn't favor one group or over another? You know, favor favor a corporation over an individual or favor a lobbyist over you know the average Joe. You know, we we've got to find a way to make Arkansas work for everyone, and I think the only way to really do that is to get on the the level with people with common everyday Arkansans and find out what they're looking for and and get the government out of the way so they can pursue it. All right. So, Mark, if people want to know more about you, where are you located on the web? And if they want to make a donation, how can they make a donation? Sure. They can donate at uh, markwestforgovernor.com. And that is the number four, not F-O-R, but the number four, markwestforgovernor.com. Right. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter at markwestforgov. Again, that's the number four. And then Facebook's the same way, markwestforgovernor, and it's the number four. But uh, that's how you can find me online. Uh, also on Instagram at markwestforgov. All right, so pictures, do some video on uh, the Facebook and things of that nature? Yep, we've got it all going, and we'll we'll have a lot of it coming up. We've been kind of laying low for the primary, you know, because the primaries are kind of a slugfest, and we let let everybody beat each other up, and then we, we pick up the scraps afterwards. And so. you're ready to go when uh, you're, you're heading towards the general election. Yes, we are. We've already got our general, general election plan in place, and you're going to see a lot more uh, videos and statements and challenges and everything as we go forward. Well, we look forward to having you back on during uh, the run-up to the to November. Make yourself uh, available. We'll make sure that you get on the air. All right, we will do. Look forward to it. All right, Mark, thanks so much. Thank Appreciate you. you. All right, uh, we've got about a minute left here. Let me remind you, tomorrow is Fun Friday. Matt Smith will be here. I think that uh, we'll have some other guests drop by as well, though I don't have them locked down yet. Elizabeth, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. You were... Uh, over there doing background material a moment ago. That's why you didn't hear her voice. But we're gonna we're gonna use uh, Elizabeth's talents more in the future here on the Dave Ellswick show and have her be part of the show. It may may work where we get Val and her both in here and have more of a fee I'll be in a flood of estrogen. What can I say? Overtime yeah, I on the radio. Everybody that if you didn't get a chance Tuesday night to go see like arrows movie yeah uh, tonight the like arrows movie yeah. from family life it's showing again tonight at uh theaters all across central arkansas uh i know out at the colonel glenn cinemark theater it's showing it's showing at breckenridge and i believe also at tinseltown in tinseltown yeah go check this movie out Powerful. like arrows is the name of the movie it's tonight is the last night it's going to be in theaters a, a great movie and it's not just about parenting if if you're a, if you're not a parent go see this and and you will be affirmed in your in your parenting skills all right have a good night i'll see you again tomorrow at two Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.